getting down to brass tacks and serious things here, I was watching the story of Pinocchio uh, yesterday, the Walt Disney version. By the way, you know, I grew up with Walt Disney, so when I think of Pinocchio, I think of Walt Disney Pinocchio. But if you read the story of Pinocchio, it's kind of like Peter Pan. We see, we know the cleaned up version. These these are disturbing children's stories, you know. The originals are disturbing. So when I'm talking about Pinocchio this morning, I'm talking about Disney's version. You know, and you've got this naive wooden block of a boy whose goal is to become a real boy. But to do that, he's got to show himself brave, truthful, and unselfish, according to his fairy godmother, in order for that to occur. And of course, the trouble with young Pinocchio with this block of wood... We were uh, in the Truth Project this morning. He was quoting Isaiah where it talks about you cut down a tree, part of it you burn, and part of it you bow down to. Larry, sorry, I was thinking about Pinocchio the whole time. Um, uh, He wants to do the right thing, but he keeps getting tripped up. So Honest John the Fox and Gideon the Alley Cat, and later on the boys that he accompanies to Pleasure Island... Good intentions, but he can't quite get there. And the truth is, he'd be better left to himself, or better than that, if he could listen to his friend and his conscience, Jiminy Cricket, he'd be better yet. But Connor, the problem is that his associates and the people that he listens to and hang out with, the effect of that relationship is that he's got all this trouble and all these setbacks. And he causes all this trouble and setbacks to poor Geppetto as well, And it's all because of the company he keeps. All of that is the influence of others upon him. We're going to be talking about friendship this morning. And I confess, as I was thinking about this and preparing for this morning, we've talked about marriage relationships. We've talked about parents and children. And we know those are really formative. They're important. They're huge in the way we turn out. But you know, the same is true about friendships. And it would be hard to overestimate the value for good or bad that your friendships have upon you in this life. I can think of a few other influences that can bless you more fully or curse you more deeply than the friendships, the acquaintances, the associations we choose in this life. We are in week six of the series, Strengthening the Things That Remain, talking broadly about friendship this morning. When we're talking about friends, don't just think of people that you uh, would normally call friends, but when you think about application on this, or as we go through some of this and you're thinking about what kind of a friend am I to others, and what kind of friends do I have in my life, think of it broadly. So include your siblings among your friends. I know this is a stretch for some of you, but think of your siblings under the same rubric or category as friends, fellow students, people you work with. And ask yourself this, how good a friend am I to others? Uh, We joked a couple weeks ago about everyone says of their children they fell in with the wrong crowd. And the truth is your child is the wrong crowd. You know, if, if that's the deal, if you're saying that, they're the wrong crowd. Ask yourself this, what kind of friend am I to others? All of us want good friends. We want to be on the receiving end of good beneficial friendships. But ask yourself this as we go through this morning. What kind of a friend am I? And you know, more often than not, we like to think of ourselves more highly than we should. And I think this is true 
in the arena of friendship too. So for me, this is the acid test when you're thinking about your own role as a friend. And we'll talk about quite a bit more than this. But on the front end, ask yourself this. How do you treat the least of the people around you? So for me, this is an easy one. Uh, If you have siblings, how do you treat your siblings? Uh, Do you treat them well? Are you helpful? Or are you sort of mean and small? And the reason I say this on the front end is this. My ability to be a friend is, is sort of measured by, by the least common denominator. It's, it's my weak link. It's not my strength. If I treat my siblings poorly, but I treat my friends well, I'm not a good friend, I would argue, because it's the least thing that really informs who and what I am. So if you look at your life and you say, towards those people that can be of no benefit to me, towards those people whose opinion I don't really value, how do I treat them? That's sort of the acid test for your capability of being a friend to others. The English term friend, you know, so often you look up these words, they're Latin. Uh, Friend is uh, Anglo-Saxon. Friend or fria, and it means love. A friend is a person one knows well, is fond of, intimate associate, close acquaintance, broad picture, friend. If you read in the Hebrew scriptures when it uses the word friend, it's Rhea, and it really, it's so broad, it means anything from any kind of associate to a lover, and everything in between. And then you go to the New Testament in the Greek, philo or phileo, a brotherly kind of love and care. And so as we think, this is the third in a, in a 12-week series, this is the third about relationships. But as we think about friendships, it's to our hazard that we underestimate the value of positive friends in our life or the value, the potential value we are as friends to others. And we need to wake up to this high call of friendship. I think there's probably no greater time in history in which it's hard to be a good friend and hard to find a good friend. And just these are some of the thoughts that go through my mind on this. We've got electronics, so we've got more communication than ever. I mean, it's staggering. It's dizzying the communication options we have. So we've got Facebook, and I'll bet, uh, maybe adults 50 and over aside, I'll bet 80% of you in this room are on Facebook or so. So we've got Facebook, we've got electronic communication. What we don't have is FaceTime. So the electronic communication has replaced the personal. Then also, if you think about the culture we live in and the things the culture tends to value, those things all affect us, of course. We think they don't, but they do. So we live in a culture in which communicating disrespect to others is an art form. If you watch sitcoms, TV, you listen to comedy, put down humor is it. And no doubt we absorb some of that. But also you think we're in a throwaway culture. You know, we've got plenty of material prosperity. Something breaks, we pitch it. We do the same things with people and with friends. We don't value friendship highly enough. We need to wake up to the value of friends. John Donne said, uh, no man's an island. And he said it during the plague in Europe. And people were dying. If you remember the reference, it's don't ask for whom the bell tolls. Is, Is that someone that I know that died? And don't ask for whom the bell tolls. The bell tolls for you. You've suffered loss in the death of any of these folks. 
But he was reflecting the truth that we are created for fellowship. And none of us is an island. And all of us need the kind of benefit and encouragement and insight we get through friendship. Um, I was looking at quotes and one of them on friendship came up from C.S. Lewis. I thought this was interesting. Lewis was in university when World War I started. And he said this, Before he went to war, a standard class could be a few people up to a dozen with a professor in a small room, talking, reading each other's papers, giving critique all the way around. It's personal and small. He said when he came back and started school up again after World War II, he was in large rooms like this or bigger, filled with people, totally impersonal. And this whole, the whole kind of the English education system, he felt it changed overnight from before to after World War I. And he said this, We live, in fact, in a world starved for meditation and friendship. Even in his day, the numbers had exploded at the university and it changed the dynamics. They were far less personal than they'd been before. And he was saying, we don't need more volume. We need more depth and we need more quality. We need friendship at a deeper level. Friendship is one of the most important ways on earth we experience God's love. And that is, again, remember, friendship evolves off this theme of love. That's its foundation. And then last along this line, one of the highest praises in the Bible sung to friendship is when David lost his good friend Jonathan in 2 Samuel 1.26. He said, I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. You've been very pleasant to me. Your love to me was more wonderful than the love of women. And if you read their story and their relationship, these were two guys who'd do anything for each other. So if you remember, Jonathan is heir to the throne. So when he befriends David, he in fact gives up any claim, any aspiration he might have to the throne of Israel. This is not a normal thing to do. If you read world history, that's not the direction most folks go. Jonathan is willing to lay all his claim, all his thought, all his aspiration to the throne aside for David. He gives David his armor when he needs to send David off in a hurry. David pledges to Jonathan. He makes a covenant with him before he leaves that he'll take care of his family. He'll provide no harm to Jonathan's family, come what may. You know, and this still, in the Middle East, you killed your enemy and all their family so there could never be a claim against your throne. David promises Jonathan, I'll never do anything to harm you or your family. The value of a good friend is hard to overstate. We, we see our best selves reflected in our friends we are blessed or cursed by the kinds of friendships we have. I want to look at this specifically now from two different vantage points. One is this, what kind of a friend should I be? And as we talk through these, you guys think in your own mind, does this reflect you or not, the kind of friend you are to others? Do these things reflect you or not? And then the second thing we'll look at is, who should I seek to be friends with? The first, what does it mean, what does it look like to be a friend? What does it mean to be a good friend? I've picked, I think, four qualities. You might pick some others, but here we go. The first is that friends share what's important to others. That is, they share what's important in their life with their friends. That's what a friend does. I'll mention John 15 later, but Jesus said the distinction between calling his followers slaves or friends was what he communicated to them. And he said, I've told you everything my father gave me. 
The fact that you're my friends has been reflected in the communication I've given to you. I've opened my heart to you. You know what I consider important. You know those things about me. And that's one of the things friends do. We simply communicate who and what we are to those around us, to our friends. We are known by our friends. Um, There was a basketball game years ago, eons ago actually, in which Joe Cassidy in the back row and I were playing. And it was a close game. It was a very close game. And we lost, like last second loss. And there was a large party after the game that we were both supposed to go to. And I was so depressed about this loss that though I told him I would go to the party afterwards, I didn't. I went home. So I'm at home, you know, crying in my beer, sort of, so to speak. And uh, the doorbell rings, and it's, and it's Joe. And I said, what are you doing here? Did you go to the party? He said, no, I knew you'd be here. I knew you weren't going to the party. And as depressed as I was, the knowledge that my friend knew me so well, he knew I was saying one thing and I was going to do another, was encouraging to me. I was just encouraged that one, he knew me, and two, he gave enough of a flip to come over and say, come to the party anyway, basically. But friends know each other. We communicate what's important to us, to our friends. The second thing is this. Good friends look out for your best interests. Good friends look out for your best interests. Because friendship is a kind of love, if you call, if you say you're a friend to someone else, but the effect of your friendship is not to look out for what's in their best interest, what kind of a friend are you really? Friendship is based on love. So if I don't have someone else's best interest, how can I call them a friend? But we do all the time. But not even care enough about them to do what's in their best interest. This could be all kinds of things. I'm not going to try and go into specific points of application here. But as you think about your relationship with others, do you care enough about those you call friends, i.e. siblings, students, fellow students, those at work, those you value, those you'd like to spend time with? Do you care enough about them to seek what's in their best interest? A good friend encourages you. A good friend wants you to be encouraged and be successful in life. One of the quotes about friendship was, uh, it's not failure that trusts or tries your, it's not failure that tries your friendship, it's success. That is, if your friend fails, you say, oh, poor, poor friend. But if they succeed, uh, envy. Can you rejoice with them when they succeed, when they excel and perhaps you don't? A true friend accepts you where you're at but calls you up to be your best. Uh, Henry Ford said, my best friend is the one who brings out the best in me. Ask yourself, Is the impact of your friendship on others, is it to bring out the best in those that call you friend? The best friends bring out the best in us. Another one, and this is huge, and I've I've hit this nail with this hammer routinely, but I'll hit it again this morning. A good friend is willing to tell you the truth in love. And guys, in our culture, we just lie to each other all the time. We do not tell the truth. We do not speak the truth in love, even to those we call friend. And it's because we want to be nice 
instead of kind. We don't want to offend. We don't want to ruffle feathers. So we don't say things that would be beneficial and helpful to people who aren't going to hear it from anybody but us. But we swallow hard and go down the road. And really it's an indication we just don't care enough about them to tell them the truth. Oscar Wilde, tongue-in-cheek, said it this way, A true friend stabs you in the front. Did you get that? Instead of in the back. That's only slightly removed, though, from Proverbs 27.6, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Deceitful are the kisses of an enemy, but faithful are the wounds of a friend. The thought is this, sometimes it feels like you're wounding that person when you tell them the truth. Something they might not want to hear, but they need to hear. But you're being faithful when you do that. And guys, if friends won't do that for each other, who's going to? And we suffer in the church as well as in the culture. We refuse to speak the truth in love. If you can find someone who's willing to tell you the truth in love, hang on to them. I've said this, I I don't know how many times over the years. This is so rare that you'll find a friend that will be willing to tell you the truth in love. Are you as a friend willing to tell your friend things they may not want to hear, but you know are in their best interest. That's the mark of a true friend. Don't be nice as a friend. Be kind, be loyal, be charitable, be lots of things, but don't make nice your criteria. So a good friend shares yourself with others. They know you. You've opened your heart to them. A good friend looks out for others' best interest. Do we look out for our friend's best interest? We encourage others to become their better self, to call them up. We accept them where they are, but we encourage them to be more. And we speak the truth in love. Those are some of the hallmarks of a good friend. So reflect on that for yourself. How do you measure up as a friend to others? I said if you find someone who will speak the truth in love, hold them close. Will Shakespeare said it this way, Those friends you have and their adoption tried, grapple them to your soul with hoops of steel. They're that rare a treasure. Don't let them go, Shakespeare says. The second thing is, who should I seek to be friends with? Um, If friendships are shallow and therefore irrelevant or meaningless... You can sort of be friends with anybody you want. But if friendships are meaningful, you actually can't. And a week ago we said that children cannot afford to have their parents as their friends. They need something different. Well, the truth is we cannot afford to be friends to just anyone. You can't. And if you think you can, you're misguided in your thinking. When the book of Proverbs opens... The father's telling Junior how to live life wisely and successfully. The first warning he gives is, avoid certain kinds of people. You're going to be invited to fellowship, to become friends and compatriots with certain kinds of people. And he says, don't go there. And these folks are violent, they're thieves, and they're profiting from other people's expenses. And dad says, avoid them. Don't go with them. You can't... Afford to. In fact, he says later in that same passage, they're laying a snare for themselves. And so when you're in it with them, you're going to fall in the same snare they are setting. They think for others, it's for themselves, it's going to come back on them. Later in Proverbs 22, 24, and 25, chapter 22, two verses, it says, Don't associate with a man given to anger or go with a hot tempered man. You will learn his ways and find a snare. 
for yourself. Dad's telling Junior, there are some people you need to avoid. Don't befriend these kinds of people. It'll be to your expense. You hazard yourself when you hook up with certain kinds of people. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, Don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. George Washington said this, It's better to be alone than in bad company. It's better to be alone than in bad company. Also, think of this. If you have friends, this sort of gets back to the first point, if you have friends that are nice to you and not to others, be careful. Because the way they're treating others, they will treat you at some point too. So if you have friends that are talking about others behind their back when they're gone, or making fun of others when they're not present, or using others for their benefit only, you need to be aware if they're willing to do it to someone else, they'll be willing to do it to you too. That's a pretty good indication this person is not going to be my good friend. Even if they're nice to you, even if they say they don't treat you that way, guys, if they'll do it to others, they'll do it to you. That's the kind of friend you cannot afford. Some people practice uh, what's called uh, evangelistic dating, you know, evangelistic dating where a Christian wants to date a non-Christian and their thought is, I'll date this non-Christian and they'll become a Christian and then we'll be okay. You know, I'm going to get romantically involved in someone I shouldn't, but I'm doing it for evangelistic higher purposes, higher calling. Some people bring that same mentality into friendships and it goes something like this. They're not a nice person. They really need a friend. And I could be that friend for them. It could be redemptive. I could be that friend for them. But you have to be careful about that. Uh, One, if you say, I'm going to be a friend of that person that wisdom would otherwise tell me not to, you do have to see it as redemptive. And Jesus did this. Right? And the Gospels say, they say he's hanging out with sinners and and publicans, tax gatherers, etc. But when he answers this charge, he says, I'm, I'm here like a doctor. These people are sick and they need me. Or I'm like a shepherd. I'm going out to bring in the sheep that have wandered away. It is redemptive in nature. But you have to ask yourself this question in those kinds of relationships. The question is this. Who is changing who? In your evangelistic friendship, who is changing who? Who's becoming like who? When our girls were little and were in public school, we would be concerned from time to time with some of their friendships, and we'd talk about it. And that was always our question to the girls in these redemptive evangelistic friendships. Who's changing who? Are you becoming like the friend you're, you're trying to be a good friend to, or are they becoming like you? Which direction is this going? You can't afford the friend, the friendship, if the effect is you're becoming like the person you thought needed help. You're going the wrong direction. You'll probably find times in life where you feel like you don't have a good friend. Uh, I know Kathy at one point in our marriage many years ago, uh, we prayed that she'd have a good friend for years, literally. And good friends, good friends... Not friends, you know, broadly, but good friends are really hard to find. And we prayed for years just that she would find a good friend. And sometimes you'll find yourself in stages of life in which you just feel like, I don't have a good friend. 
And those can be really tough, really discouraging, very trying days. Let me offer two thoughts during that period. One is this, be the best friend you can be to others. Be the best friend you can be to others. Proverbs 11.25 says, The generous man will be prosperous, and he who waters will himself be watered elsewhere. If you want friends, show yourself friendly. Sometimes we don't have friends because we're not very friendly. We, others don't want to befriend us because we're not much of a friend ourselves. So if you find yourself in those times or places where you feel like a good friend is hard to find, make sure that you are a good friend as much as possible to those around you. And then remember this, and I know this can sound um, shallow. Um, <clears throat> God, Jesus, calls His followers friends. If you didn't have a single friend on the earth but you know that Jesus calls you His friend, you're okay. So in John 15, 15, when He's talking to His disciples and He says, I don't call you slaves, I call you My friends. And you've got a same or similar thought in Isaiah 41, 8. God speaks and He says, Israel My servant, Jacob My chosen, descendant of Abraham My friend. I mean, what higher appellation could we have than God saying, us, I call you my friend. This is rich stuff. Let me wind down with the story. This is from uh, Bill Bennett's Book of Virtues. This came out several years ago. And it's got several categories, one being friendship. And just let me read you briefly a story about an unusually strong friendship of Damon and Pythias. This comes from Cicero in the 4th century B.C. The story goes like this. Damon and Pythias had been the best of friends since childhood. Each trusted the other like a brother. Each knew in his heart there was nothing he would not do for his friend. Eventually the time came for them to prove the depth of their devotion. It happened this way. Dionysius, the ruler of Syracuse, grew annoyed when he heard about the kind of speeches Pythias was giving. The young scholar was telling the public that no man should have unlimited power over another and that absolute tyrants were unjust kings. In a fit of rage, Dionysius summoned Pythias and his friend. Who do you think you are spreading unrest among the people, he demanded. I spread only the truth, Pythias answered. There can be nothing wrong with that. Does your truth hold that kings have too much power and that their laws are not good for their subjects? If a king has seized power without permission of the people, then that is what I say. This kind of talk is treason, Dionysius shouted. You're conspiring to overthrow me. Retract what you've said or face the consequences. I won't retract, Pythias answered. Then you will die. Do you have any last requests? Yes, let me go home just long enough to say goodbye to my wife and children and to put my household in order. I see you not only think I'm unjust, you think I'm stupid as well. Dionysius laughed scornfully. If I let you leave Syracuse, I have no doubt I will never see you again. I'll give you a pledge, Pythias said, a guarantee. What kind of pledge could you possibly give to make me think you will ever return, the king demanded. At that instant, Damon, who had stood quietly beside his friend, stepped forward. I will be his pledge, he said. Keep me here in Syracuse as your prisoner until Pythias returns. Our friendship is well known to you. You can be sure Pythias will return so long as you hold me. 
Dionysius studied the two friends silently. Very well, he said at last. But if you're willing to take the place of your friend, you must be willing to accept his sentence if he breaks his promise. If Pythias does not return to Syracuse, you will die in his place. He will keep his word, Damon replied. I have no doubt of it. Pythias was allowed to go free for a time and Damon was thrown into prison. After several days when Pythias failed to reappear... Dionysius' curiosity got the better of him. He went to the prison to see if Damon was yet sorry he had made the bargain. Your time's almost up, the ruler said. It will be useless to beg for mercy. You were a fool to rely on your friend's promise. Did you really think he would sacrifice his life for you or for anyone else? He's merely been delayed. Damon answered steadily. The winds have kept him from sailing, or perhaps he has met with some accident on the road. But if it's humanly possible, he will be here on time. I am as confident of his virtue as I am my own existence. Dionysius was startled at the prisoner's confidence. We shall soon see, he said, and left Damon in his cell. The fatal day arrived. Damon was brought from prison and led before the executioner. Dionysius has greeted him with a smug smile. Seems your friend has not turned up, he laughed. What do you think of him now? He is my friend, Damon answered. I trust him. Even as he spoke, the doors flew open and Pythias staggered into the room. He was pale and bruised and half speechless from exhaustion. He rushed to the arms of his friend. You are safe, praise the gods, he gasped. It seemed as though the fates were conspiring against us. My ship was wrecked in a storm. Bandits attacked me on the road. I refuse to give up hope, and at last I've made it back in time. I am ready to receive my sentence of death. Dionysius heard his words with astonishment. His eyes and his heart were opened. It was impossible for him to resist the power of such constancy. The sentence is revoked, he declared. I never believed that such faith and loyalty could exist in friendship. You have shown me how wrong I was, and it is only right that you be rewarded with your freedom. But I ask that in return you do me one great service. What service do you mean, the friends asked. Teach me how to be part of so worthy a friendship. Sorry. Um, Two thoughts on this line. One is... um, Jesus is the best friend any of us could ever have. If you have the driest time in your life, it's, it sounds cheesy and corny. What a friend we have in Jesus. It's true. And, and like this story, you've got someone who said, I'm coming from the gates of heaven to save you from the powers of hell. That's the best friendship you could ever have. You've got a friend who does stick closer than a brother. We have in Christ a treasure as a friend you won't find any place else. And unlike this story, there's going to be times when the, your best of friends let you down. I mean, we're not perfect at this. We're, we're aspiring high, but we're not perfect at this. And we're going to fail each other. And that's another thing about friends. They forgive each other and they go on. So one is, you've got, if you've got Christ, you've got a friend that never leaves you, never forsakes you, never does you wrong, for sure. The other thing this weekend is, the loss of Marvin DeGroff is... Uh, it's huge. Um, many of you knew Marvin. 
and uh, Marvin was a great friend to me over the years. Um, a really rare, rare individual. Um, Marvin was the best of friends. Marvin was a choice servant of God on the earth. Uh, uh, Marvin was part of this. Marvin helped start this church. Marvin was one of the guys that taught regularly. Uh, Marvin was a guy that would encourage you. He'd think the best of you. He was just like a father to anyone he knew. And, you know, when a guy like that leaves, um, we're, we're less. We're less for the likes of the Marvin de Groffs in the world. And as I thought about Marvin this weekend and his loss, if you knew Marvin, and maybe if you didn't, if you know someone like Marvin, the loss of someone like that in the earth is a great reminder to be a friend like that ourselves. That is to rise to the challenge and the call that a life like that is for us and stand up and fill the gaps, as it were, that the giants like Marvin leave behind. So, uh, let's pray. Lord, thanks that you are a friend to us, that you never do us wrong, that you forgive us every time we sin against you, that you died, you laid your life down for us rather than see us get what we deserved. And you call us friend, and Lord, it's staggering. God, help us to value you as our friend as well as our Savior and our Lord and our Creator. But help us to have that kind of intimacy with you that great friends do with each other. Lord, help us to be that kind of friend to others. Help us be careful, Lord, about the friendships we, we have. Lord, we want to be redemptive towards others, but we don't want to be foolish. We want to be helpful where we can afford to be helpful, Lord, but keep us from relationships that... Pull us away from you. And Lord, just thinking about Marvin's loss and what a, um, an outstanding friend he was, I just pray that you would call us up to our best selves to help us be the kind of friends to each other that Marvin, mirroring, reflecting your kind of friendship was to us and to many others. Lord, we lay ourselves at your feet and say, make of us what you will. Make us friends. In Jesus' name, amen.